Hi, I'm Ben Pilgreen, lead pastor of Epic Church in San Francisco, and I want to welcome you to the podcast. Our vision here is to see an increasing number of people in San Francisco orient their entire lives around Jesus. But whether you're listening in from the city that we love here by the bay or wherever you might happen to be in the world today, I want you to know that I'm excited about what God is doing in your life and what he's doing in our Epic Church community. I hope you'll find this message encouraging and that it will inspire you to take your next steps along your faith journey. Well, I first met the pastor of this church, Ben, just a few years ago at a leadership uh, thing that a bunch of people were at, and I walk into a room, and it's full of people, most of whom had beautiful heads of hair, kind of like this room right now, and I could spot Ben immediately. We find each other. We do. Jonathan gets it. And it's, uh, it's not just because, you know, we could spot the solar panels from miles away, but it's also because we just get each other. Like we, it's like this unmistakable longing that you sense in someone's life when they feel like God has taken something away from them that they, <laughs> they really want back. If this is your first Sunday uh, here in Epic, welcome. You are visiting an incredible community. Um, also, you probably won't notice much of a change when Ben comes back up here to speak. You'll just think he's shaved and he's talking a little bit better. Um, no, I, I really, I do think that God took away my hair because of just bad stewardship. Like, I gave you something, and that's what you chose to do with it. I got a perm when I was in high school, and then after that, I decided to, like, shave lines in my head, and some of you can pull that off, and I could not. And I actually don't, just for the record here, like, I don't, I don't believe in a God who only gives good things to people who do good things. I don't think that's how the world works. I've just seen too much to believe that. But in this one instance, I really think that God made an exception. He's like, I gave you something, and that's what you chose to do with it. And I'm embarrassed, and he took it away. And that is why there's just a shell of a man standing before you. I'm going to do my best. No. Hey, I want you to know what you're a part of if you are invested in this community, even if you've been here for just a few weeks or you've been here for several years. This church has been instrumental in not just encouraging and Ben's strategic leadership and, and giving me great input as I lead a church in Los Angeles. This church is financially poured into a church full of people that you may never meet for the rest of your life. And that's how things like this have perpetuated throughout generations is because people are willing to sacrifice by faith. They choose to act before they see and because you've done that, a church has been planted in a city uh, where, we're st- where we started within about 20 minutes of us is, you know, 2.5, 3 million people. And by most estimations, uh, more than 90% of them have no sort of faith or church engagement whatsoever. And that's where we decided to start a church. <laughs> now, I know that you get it because I really feel like, and Ben and I have swapped so many stories that talking to a bunch of people in San Francisco, you're like cousins you're, or siblings to you know, Los Angeles in so many ways, you know, and when I share stories of what it's really like to lead a church in Los Angeles in other parts of the U.S., I get a whole lot of, like, jaw drops. Like, yeah, there was this one day where I baptized a Netflix executive, a Scientologist, and an adult entertainer. Everybody's like, ooh, ah. I say that here, and you're like, yeah. That sounds like all of my roommates, This feels like home. Uh, You're in the middle of a series 
looking at excerpts from one of the eyewitness biographies of Jesus, one of his closest friends and followers. You don't have to read a Bible to, to prove that. Just read a history book. There was a guy named Mark, and he wrote down what he saw. He wrote down what he heard, and he wrote down a little bit of the impression that it left on the people around Jesus. And today I want to look at one little moment that, that Mark was there to witness, and he wrote down for us, and we're still looking at it 2,000 years later because of the impact it's had on so many people's lives. And this is in Mark chapter 4 that I want to look at this teaching of Jesus. And I want to invite you to do something that maybe you've, you're used to doing or maybe you're not sure why you would do it. And I want you to stand up as I read this passage. And here's one of the reasons that I think it's cool to do that is for some of us, we actually believe that God himself speaks through the words I'm about to read. And so this is just a sign of us hum- humbly saying, like, I respect that God is about potentially going to say something to me. For those of you not sure that you think that that's what the Bible is, or maybe you have no idea that that's what the Bible's doing, this is just one of those ways that your body is telling your mind that something important might happen pretty soon, like waking yourself up and opening yourself up to, I don't know, maybe there's some greater possibilities than ordinary right now. So I want to read these words from Mark chapter 4, just verses 1 through 9. Once again... Jesus began teaching by the lakeshore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. And then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. He kind of created this amphitheater thing around him by speaking from a boat into a cliff, uh, and the people were in front of it. He taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across the field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil and underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants so they produced no grain. Still, other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60 and even a hundred times as much as had been planted. And then he said, anyone, no exception, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Thanks, you can have a seat. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand, which is just sort of another way of Jesus saying, do you get it? The seed and the soil and the thorns and the birds, do you get it? And this is kind of par for the course for Jesus. You know, if you were here last week, you heard Ben speaking about another mysterious uh, principle of life, the Sabbath that God has given to humanity. And, And Ben started the whole message with the question, do you ever feel like you're missing the point? And I so often in life feel like I have missed the point, where you have all of the activity, but you're not getting the results that you think that you should. Sabbath is one of those things that often I feel we miss the point of, that God is giving us so much that we just leave on the table because we don't trust him enough to do this thing that he wants for our humanity. So this is another instance where Jesus is saying, like, do you get it? Do you get it? And at first it's frustrating because I just want, if there's some really powerful life-changing idea, I just want you to spell it out for me. Make it plain. I don't think Jesus is trying to tease us when he does this. I don't, I don't think that Jesus is trying to play with us when he introduces a principle disguised in a parable or a mystery or a metaphor. It's because he's drawing us in 
See, if we were just to say 2 plus 2 equals 4, well, that evidence, that data makes some sense on its face. But if I tell you a story, particularly if you were a child, if I was telling you a story or I put it into a nursery rhyme, you would remember it. Maybe even apply where all over the world 2 plus 2 is going to equal 4. Jesus is drawing us into this parable here because he's wanting to give us more than just information. There might be some life-changing understanding that might be awakened in our imaginations because he's pulling us into the mystery of this parable. Now, most people, when he asks, do you get it? Most people are like, I think I got it. You're giving us farming tips, JC. I really appreciate that. Peace out. Seed the soil. Just make sure that we're prepared for that. So later it says in verse 10, when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples, 12 closest friends and followers, and then others. So there were some from the crowd that wanted a little bit more information who were gathered around. They asked him what the parables meant. And then in the next sentence, he replied, you are permitted to understand, I love this, the secret of the kingdom of God. And if you don't know what that means, it just means life as God knows it. You have permission now to understand what it takes to live life as God knows it. But I use parables for everything I say to outsiders so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. That sounds really vicious, but he's just quoting an ancient prophet who also was trying to be sarcastic. It's like, if God is trying to communicate with you, if God is trying to make an impression on you, if God is trying to change your mind, if God wants to speak into your marriage, if God wants to speak into your career life, if God wants to speak into your leadership, if God wants to speak into how you show up on campus, some of us right now, if we're honest, we have a posture of like, listen, the last thing that I want to admit is that I don't have this all figured out. That's what Jesus is saying. Sometimes, listen, I, I just know that if God is going to speak into the world, let's not assume that it's always going to be so convincing for people. That's all he's saying. I love that he says that if you want to hunger for more, if you are not sure you totally get it at first, whether it's one of the songs that we sang this morning, some of the words that I'm communicating, or what you see in somebody else's life around you, I'm not sure that I totally get it. I'm not sure I totally understand what I'm seeing here or what I'm hearing here. The encouraging thing is, is if you are hungry for more, that may be the only life and death decision that you need to make today. I'm just hungry to understand more. I'm hungry for more. I want to know more. And if, if we can trust what Jesus is saying here, that orientation alone is enough to let you into what he says is the secret to life as God knows it. A better translation of that word in the Greek, though, is the mystery. And I like that better because secret is like, shh, you can't know this. This is just for me, me and JC, you know, the farming tips. I have the secret. But mystery, I like mystery better because mystery is calling us to decide whether or not it's worth solving, right? Some of you are into those true crime podcasts and you first hear me like, this is unbelievable. And then you're like three seasons into your true crime podcast and you're pretty sure you could solve any mystery in the world. Like, I, I can't believe the investigators didn't check the fingerprints of the DNA evidence. It's so obvious. But a mystery, right, it, it empowers you. It's handing off the, the decision to you to say, like, listen, I'm going to present this mystery, and there's more where this came from, but you get to decide if this is worth investigating. Is it worth it for you to investigate more? My wife and I, we just celebrated 20 years of being married, and you can clap for that because I'm really proud of that. And I know, I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, Joseph, you don't even look 20 years old, and I just want to thank you so much for lying about that. 
Um, but we've been married for 20 years, and we took a trip. We went to uh, Asheville, we went to Savannah, and we went to Charleston. And when we travel to places with a lot of history, we love to take ghost tours. I just think it's, if it's a good ghost tour, it's a great way to learn the history of a place. <laughs> but I should warn you, if you ever happen to be on a tour with my wife and myself, that we are those tourists who will ask a lot of questions during the tour, which is hell for everybody on the tour and heaven for the tour guide who lives for that. You know, I've got to tell me more about that. And like, oh, you went to Wikipedia. You have the questions. You want to know more. This is the only reason that I'm a docent on a ghost tour is for people just like you. We're the ones. We went on a ghost tour in Savannah, and it was a two- or three-hour walking tour of Savannah. I'm not making this up. The poor man, 65-year-old man who was leading the tour, we made him stay afterwards to answer more questions. Why? Because there was a lot of mystery. Ghost tour is like, huh, that's interesting. So if that actually happened, if somebody saw an image in that window and you think it's a ghost, that's a mystery to me. Because I'm not totally sure it was a ghost, so then we want to know more. We want to we see if this is something worth solving. So Jesus is saying, if you're hungry for more, then maybe there's more where this came from. A mystery forces us to decide if it's worth solving. And they're about to find out in this parable how their constant hunger for more, to get it, to understand it, is really the life-changing orientation that we all need. Verse 13 here, Then Jesus said to him, If you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand other parables? And at first, again, I think, man, that's kind of an insulting thing for Jesus to say. Like, if you don't get this, you're definitely not going to get anything else. But that's not what Jesus is saying, particularly if you spend some time listening to the teachings and watching the interactions that Jesus had with people. He's always, again, empowering us to answer the question for ourselves. So if you don't understand this, how would you, how would you understand more? And I think the implication here is, well, I think we're just going to have to keep coming back to you. And maybe that's precisely what Jesus had in mind. I don't quite get it at first. We'll just keep coming back. I don't, I don't understand how this is. Just keep coming back. Keep coming back. In verse 14, at least in this moment here, he satisfies their curiosity by explaining, in a way he doesn't always for parables, explaining this one with a little uh, clarity. Verse 14, the farmer, in this story that I told, this parable, plants seed by taking God's word to others. And that was a loaded term, word, for the people who heard it. It wasn't just words, like just reading a Bible verse to people. It can include that for sure, but it's more. For them... It wasn't some magic spell, some incantation, like bringing that to other people's lives. Instead, what he's saying here is the person who is bringing the very impact, influence, the force, the reality of God into the world around them. The farmer is the person who brings God himself into the world around them, the opportunity to interact with God and to allow, open up, your heart, your mind, your psychology, your emotional life, your relationships to be impacted and influenced by God himself if that's something that's possible. So somebody who allows that, invites you to it, brings that into your life is somebody who is bringing God himself, God's word into your life. Verse 15, so the seed, God's presence, God's influence, the seed that fell on the footpath, it says in verse 15, represents those who hear the message only to have Satan at once, come at once and take it away. So maybe one way to understand this is if Jesus was to ask, after you've heard this parable, do you get it? This is the kind of person who says, don't want it. Do you get it? I'm not interested in it. 
Maybe it's scary. Maybe it seems absolutely bonkers to you. Maybe you're exhausted. Maybe it just seems too disruptive with your normal life. Maybe you have been harmed by somebody who spoke or acted in the name of Jesus, even if they didn't speak or act anything like Jesus before, and you're like, I am done. So even, no matter what I say up here, even if God himself is speaking through me and God's presence is in this room, right now you have a posture of like, ugh. And let me level with you. I'm going to speak for a few more minutes, but there is nothing that I could say, no joke I could tell, no story that I could share, no Bible verse I could read that is going to penetrate the exterior that you've put up right now. Do you get it? I don't want it. And I don't blame you, by the way. I really don't. But I'm not going to pretend that this is going to be easy or convincing. Next sentence. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. So when the pressures of life hit, it's like, man, this used to be so exciting and so easy and so simple, but I'm not sure it's strong enough to face what I'm currently facing in my life. Immediately receive it with joy. And if Jesus was to say, like, do you get it? These are the people who today, and maybe this is you, would honestly respond, I thought I had it. Do you get it? I, I used to think I had it. Maybe I don't. And maybe this is the kind of person who, you know, certainly in my own life, certain seasons of my own life, where I have all of the right steps. I'm doing all of the things that I suppose a Jesus follower is supposed to do. I've got all of the right activity, but it seems like I am experiencing diminishing returns for all of that activity. Anybody ever been there before? Yeah. I'm glad this is a place we can be real. Yeah, so many times where it's like, I've taken all these steps, I've prayed all the prayers, I sing all the songs, I'm showing up every single time. I was one of the first people back when, the, when we opened up for in-person again. Even if I wore six masks just so I could be in the room with people because that's what a good Christian does. And I'm here, but I'm just not getting the benefit. It just feels like I'm walking through molasses right now. It's just not working for me. I thought I had it, but it's not clicking. Life's just too tough. And one of the encouragements I would have for us is, yes, I'm sure you're, some of you are those people who said, Jesus is my savior. But I so easily think that what that means is Jesus is my escape. And that's not what he is. That's never how he presented himself. Like, here's the challenges of my life. And so Jesus, save me from it. Let me sing this song and forget about my life for a while. I don't know what song I'm singing there, but that's the lyrics of that song. Jesus is not an escape. He's a rescuer. So don't be surprised that as you follow Jesus, where he's going to lead you is right back into the garbage that you were living with. Because he wants to prove to you that with him, you actually can have a strength that is stronger than your circumstances. So he doesn't want you to escape from it. He wants to rescue you in it and out of it. Make you a rescuer of other people who are sitting in it. So as you are receiving it with joy, don't be surprised from time to time if God dries it a little bit. Because roots grow deeper when it's dry. Stick with it. All right? Verse, the next sentence here, verse 18. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word. They have the impression or the influence of God. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out 
(laughs) This This is me yesterday. Crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. I like that phrase, just the desire for anything other than God in my life. Just the desire for other things, so no fruits produced. And what I see here, because I see myself in this so much, are people who are succeeding at maintaining. Not growing, lots of activity, trying to contain what you can contain because so much of your life is uncontrollable. Kids are crazy, work is crazy, life is tough. It's interesting that if we really believe that it is God who wants to speak and move in our lives, that we take the most powerful opportunity we have, our relationship with God, and that's the one thing that we really try to contain and control because everything else is going crazy. So we have all of this activity, right? But we're not bearing any fruit. We might be leafy, we might be full, but there's no results coming out of our lives that would nourish other people. We're really busy at maintaining. Or at least how it comes up for me a lot of times is I'm so much more focused day to day, minute to minute on how I'm doing in the world than what God is doing in my world. I don't know if that resonates with anybody today, but this is the kind of person that where if Jesus, like the first one, if Jesus is saying, do you get it? Some of you today, honestly, are going to be like, I don't want it. Others of you, if Jesus was to say, do you get it? Others of you today would be like, man, I thought I had it, but I don't. This one right here is if Jesus asks you would be, do you get it? You'd be like, I've got it. That's this person. Like, I've got it. Okay, I've got it. I have got this, Jesus. Stop asking. That's this person. God's calling you to serve. You're like, oh, I can't fit that in. I don't have the time. God's calling you to give. Oh, I don't have margin. Gee, just stop. Stop asking. He's calling you to share your faith. He's calling you to invite somebody to come back with you next week. He's like, I I can't risk it. He's calling you to stick with those habits that have given you so much strength during seasons when it was simpler. Stay in my presence. Keep singing. Keep praying. Keep fighting in the way that I want you to fight. Trusting. Acting as if. That's what faith is, right? It's not just belief. It's acting as if it's entirely true. Stick with it. He wants to lead you to so much more. Last, Last clarity here that Jesus brings is in the next sentence, verse 20. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word, God's influence, God's presence, God's power in their lives. Now listen, watch this, and produce a harvest, 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. And there are times in life, and if you haven't experienced it yet, I hope you experience it today. I really do. There are times in life When life is a mystery, the concept of God, the voice of God, the influence of God or the divine is a mystery to you. And you can almost hear the whisper, do you get it? Do you get it? And I hope you experience today, I think I get it and I want more. That's this last posture here. I I, I think I'm getting it and I want more. I want more. I want more. You don't have to trust me on this. You don't have to agree with me on this. But I actually believe, at least for my part, that God is planting something in your life right now. Again, you don't have to trust me. You don't have to agree with me. But if that is true, if it is true that God is planting something in your life right now, what are you going to do? What will you do with it? 
If there's a call to serve in a specific way, maybe join one of the teams here at Epic. If there's a, if there's a, a call to move into relationship with people, get into a group here, or maybe just visit that Next Steps event that's coming up. Just like, I got to move out of isolation into connection with people. If there's a call on your life to reconcile with somebody right now, you're like, ah, oh, I was hoping you wouldn't say that one. But if there's a call to do your part, to move towards forgiveness and reconciliation with somebody, to repair a broken relationship, if that's something that God might be planting, nudging into your life, you might be like, I think I get it. And I want more. Okay. I want it. I want more. There's a call on some of your lives to sacrifice for the mission in a way you haven't before. And again, that's not everybody. But if you're a Jesus follower and you're a part of Epic Church, there's a call on your life to sacrifice in some way for this mission, to throw your heart into it, not just your time. I, I get it. I want more. Are you confused today? Are you in doubt? Are you scared? What are you going to do about it? The easiest thing for you to do is deconstruct, and you should. The Bible's full of deconstruction, constantly. God deconstructing us from a belief in a God who doesn't exist. But far too many people I encounter are perfectly fine living with the rubble that is left after deconstructing what they once believed. If you want more, God might be calling you now to begin to build back a perspective of life as it really is, God as he really is. Do you get it? Yeah, I think I, I, think I get it. I'm starting to, and I want more. Frankly, I know some of you have never experienced a new life with Jesus. And I'm so incredibly thankful that you're here, that you would spend some of your precious time even considering some of what we're talking about and singing about and praying about in this place. But if you've never experienced a new life in Jesus, maybe today you've at least allowed a slight opening in your soul and in your imagination for what could possibly be if this is true. Is it possibly true that Jesus died proving that you have nothing left to earn? Is it possibly true that Jesus is alive again to prove that you have nothing left to fear? I mean, man, that would be great news. Maybe the best news the world's ever heard. Man, that would be incredible. I think I get it. And I want more. It's not in the text, so forgive me for taking a little liberty, but I do think it's possible that after Jesus asks us, do you get it, he might follow that up with another question. Will you share it? I mean, this is a, a story about casting seed, about planting something, about, about output, not just input, about productivity, not just receptivity. So I do think it's, it's not too much of a stretch to, to put the words in Jesus' mouth in a way, if I can, to say not only do you get it, do you understand do you, are you hungry for more? Are you receptive for more? But will you share it? What his followers here do not know, but we learn from history and from these biographies, is this teaching happened really close to the end of Jesus' life. So he was about to face capital punishment under the Roman government, and they had no way of knowing that. But what he was doing in, this, in these teachings and through a few moments, unforgettable moments that he's going to create with his disciples, he's, he's showing them how this life and this mission is going to continue after he is crucified, 
after he's executed. And if this is any indication, this story here is any indication of how the mission is supposed to continue, how the message is supposed to continue to propagate after the crucifixion and what some report the resurrection of Jesus happening, if this is any indication, then what it's supposed to look like, at least one way we can understand it, is like ancient Palestinian farming. And I know you're all experts in ancient Palestinian farming. But what that means is it's not like farming today. I'm not sure if you've... <laughs> I'm in L.A., you're in San Francisco. We can't even spell farming. We don't even know. But look it up. Like, there's all sorts of Netflix documentaries on how we're supposed to eat something different because of how things are farmed. You'll get it. You understand. But farming today is far more precise. There are robots who farm for us today. Back then, Palestinian farming was wasteful. I get all this seed, and we're just scattering it. I mean, there was definitely technique to it for sure, but it was not precise. It was lavish. It was like not overly calculated, not very careful. It was, it was more wild and surprising. So in some way, we can understand how this is supposed to continue, how more people will be exposed to life as God knows it, it's going to be a little wild and surprising. And the truth is, and I might only be speaking to a few of you today, but you'll know if I'm talking to you. The truth is some of us have stopped sharing our life with Jesus, sharing the impact that God has had on our lives because we honestly don't believe anymore that it's going to make a difference. Just the world around me is far too resistant to this. They have moved on. That's not why Jesus shared this parable, so that we could ascertain what kind of soil we're dealing with out there. That's not why he shared this parable. He shared this parable so that you could gain some self-awareness about your own receptivity, not judge whether or not somebody else is worth you sharing your life with them. I don't think they're going to get it. I just, I don't want to risk it. I don't think they're going to want it. I don't think I can risk it. I don't think they'll understand. I think their questions are going to be too tough. I don't think I want to risk it. The goal of life isn't to stay safely pruning our tidy little branches and then only share Jesus when we are absolutely sure that it's going to work. It is to lavishly scatter life with Jesus as much as we possibly can before the day we die. That's it. And results may vary. And guess what? Every single soil you encounter can grow something. Every one of them. Some of them, it might need to be broken up a little bit more. Sacrifice, patience, prayer, friendship, generosity, your integrity. It might take what once was impenetrable soil and open it up just a little bit to greater possibilities because of the investment you've had in that life because you've broken it up a little bit. You were there when nobody else would be. When everybody else pieced out, you leaned in. I have a friend who grew up on the streets of LA uh, and he had a grandmother who told him about Jesus. But in his younger years, he's like, I don't want it. She's like, do you get it? I want nothing to do with it. But she prayed for him constantly. She loved him intensely. Over time, as happened to so many in his neighborhood, actually, he joined a gang. And then eventually my friend Chris was uh, imprisoned on uh, several charges that he was convicted of. 
then his prison sentence was served and he ended up homeless, addicted on the street. Grandmother's still there telling him, praying for him, sharing with him 25 years into his life. And then this guy who just happened to be serving downtown where Chris and his girlfriend were living on the streets came and I've never met you before, but I want to share with you this idea. I want to share with you the best news that I've ever heard. And for whatever reason, that was the time when the soil was ready and Chris's life was changed. Now he's a pastor of a church in Los Angeles and he baptizes people that he used to run in the gang with. I don't know, that seems like an extreme example. But do we actually, some of us, do we actually believe that God is somebody who can pull beauty from ashes? Do you? Do you, do you actually believe that he can turn pain into glory? Do you actually believe that? Because I do. In fact, I think God is the only one who can. That's why I sang it before. You know why I sing this, we sing these songs? We sing these songs because we need to remember things that we too easily forget. It's not to escape the reality of life, but to see more of what's really going on. So it's not just your pain right now, it is also God's possibility. It's not, also, it's not just the resistance to the world around us, to anything outside of the ordinary. It is also the great possibility of resurrection that is seeping in your veins right now as you walk out of these doors. That's why we sing these songs, because we don't want to forget what is possible. Because God is with us, God is for us. You know, these mysteries and these parables of God, I think that at times they can frustrate us. For some of us, they might drive us to try and figure it all out on our own. Or today, as we face the mystery of the future, of life with God, maybe it's just causing us to come back to Jesus over and over and over and over and over again. Because ultimately, his goal for your life is not to know more. It's just to know him more. And if it takes a mystery to pull you close, God will use it. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for being so patient with us and so honest with us. Thank you for allowing us to awaken our creativity and our imagination and not just see life with you as two plus two equals four. Going to church and praying the right things and memorizing a Bible verse is going to create the fruit in my life that I need. But instead, you are calling us into this great adventure, into the incredible unknown, where the only thing we can really trust is you. So weaken our our control and our need for certainty and call us by faith into the great future you have for us. And may you use us, Lord, and our imagination and our faith to possibly impact a life that right now has settled for ordinary. Jesus, we pray this because you're in charge. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Epic Church Podcast today. If you would like to learn more, you can go to epicsf.com. I want to also encourage you to download the Epic SF app so that you can keep up with everything that God is doing in and through this community in downtown San Francisco. 